Shalom and welcome to the Yishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom, Malka Fleischer. Shalom and welcome to the show. Hi, Yishai. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's been a wild day and a wild time. Um, we'll get to the fact that a Jew was murdered two days ago and was buried yesterday, which was very harsh. Um, and also that uh, there was a protest not far from where we live um of like raucous uh folks from tel aviv who came in to protest against judicial reform but actually to protest or against so they said right or or, or, or they we'll say tell you about what they really came to protest right or or what they or what they say at first but when you when you challenge them yeah just when a you tad. scratch just a little bit but right. under the surface is something different entirely yeah um malka you know it's been a very busy time for me i also got a little bit sick but you healed me well, with with a lot of chicken soup vitamin c tehillim uh, and some Star Trek doses of Star Trek together, and that allowed me to to get better. So I want to thank you publicly for You're helping welcome. me. I want to thank. The, so I I try not to waste money and you know keep to the budget and everything, but there is this one thing that I buy. That I just treat myself to. Yeah, what's that? It is pre-peeled garlic. <laughs> garlic, which I do not have to peel myself. Yeah, yeah. costs more, substantially more. But I love it. All right. What? So you should really thank the good people ah. at the garlic peeling factory because ah. of them, oh. I was able to put serious quantities of garlic into the chicken soup, hence the healing, and here we are. If, if only somebody would, if there would be a measure of how Jewish you are through your chicken soup, if they could take an extract and put it through some genome thing and be like, Maka's chicken soup is the most Jewish of all chicken oh, soups. Oh, like a 23 and Me for your for soup? For chicken soup, yeah. Like to be like... Be like, I think Ding. it's up there. Yeah, no, your chicken soup. I'd like, I mean, I don't want to brag or anything, but I'm bragging it's for pretty you. Jewish. Yeah, it's pretty Jewish. So if you're sick, maybe maybe you could send some kind of thing in a bag out there in the world, like a tabachnik soup or something, you know, because your your soup is a healer. Thank you. Um, and uh, and that was that. I'm still a little bit coughing. Uh, I'm only saying that because there's so many things going on. <clears throat> I'm flying out Saturday night. I'm going to be at the Besheva conference in New York City. I'm going to be at the Israel Day Parade. Wow. So I got a lot going on on that end, um, and then I'll be going to California. I may be in Panama. I may be going to Panama next That's Saturday, next really Shabbat. Cool. I know I'm excited. I'm gonna Google what to buy in Panama. After yeah, this yeah. I don't and know. Have you do that? That's right. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's really going to happen. But like, am I going to be able to like, swim the canal? Does that even happen? I I, I don't. Think I don't know. So. You bring, I don't know. That seems like a big project. To probably take on not. At the last minute. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, and no, I'm probably gonna. So I, there's just all these things going on, and we just had Shavuot, and it was beautiful, and we were in Hebron, the Jewish community of Hebron, and the tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs, and the tomb of Ruth and Yishai. Which the, is looking great, Ishai. Which is looking great d- due God, to uh, tremendous efforts, uh, partially uh, uh, led by me, thank Hashem. I've had the schut, the merit to be part of it. Uh, and uh, that's been really fun. And just just a lot's going on, Malka. But the greatest gift of them all is to be in action, in in the effort to beautify and strengthen our land together uh, and to, to, to push the Jewish narrative forward. So let's just go back to some of the uh, issues. First thing is the, the protest that was uh, near our house. There's like a, you know, a, a political figure that lives not so far away, and the, the protesters came six thirty in the morning, started making a lot of noise. So we went down there. We went down there again <laughs> and again and again. First thing is, is that I went out there peacefully with protest signs. We we went out there. Peacefully. I first I first went out by myself. Then you came after me, right? I was happy. I'm just saying. First I went out there, and I'm like, no. Why am I saying that? Because there was a guy in front of me from my neighborhood who was spritzing them with water being verbally and angry and the word nazi started flying somebody called somebody a nazi uh does does nazi like rhyme with something maybe they misheard it maybe they said maybe he said don't be so fatsy i don't know i'm not sure what but but there was the the word nazi was was flying around there's a a store in jerusalem in one of the malls yeah it's called like paris it's called like mazi paris m-a-z-i yeah paris i can't walk in there and it's M A Z I. I can't do it. There's do you know something what about I, that. Do you know what I cannot stand? Hugo Boss. I see Hugo Boss. My like, uh, some like, like my. Why you don't want to buy a nice Nazi uniform? You know, he, like Hugo Boss was like the designer of of. Uh, not, that's why they the look so SS sharp. uniform. Yeah, they do look sharp. Um, and uh, 
Uh, watching Glorious Bastards if you need a little clarification about how to deal with Nazi uniforms. Uh, but uh, uh, there's, you know, there's, there's also Porsche. You know, Porsche was the great engineer of so many of the Nazi vehicles. And that's why I have not purchased a Porsche for myself. That's right. I'm going to return. Otherwise, I would have. You know what? I'm going to call my guy and I'm going to send back yes, that Porsche. Yes, that's it. No Porsche for you, Ishai. No. No Porsche for me. I don't no want Hugo it. No Hugo Boss. Yeah, no. Uniform. That would be nice. Nice Hugo Boss no, uniform. No, no. False. Okay. So. You this- should know the degree to which I do not buy German things is very, very high. To such a, to the degree that not so long ago I wanted to buy like an eyeliner. I try not to even look sometimes. That's how scared I am because I can't do it. I bought myself. I was going to buy an eyeliner. I was in the line. I looked at the back made in Germany, put it back, left the store. And, and you know what? I feel sad for the Germans. I feel bad for the Germans that were saying this. I feel sad because. Right. There's some Germans been... who don't want any any connection to this thing anymore. Right. right. And it could have been the opposite. It could have been like, yeah, we repudiate that past. We're not part of that. Well, they kind of repudiate no. it. No. You can't talk about Nazis in Germany. There's a there's some kind of court case that might be coming up against Roger Waters because he wore like a red armband in a concert over there. No, it was more. He put on a full SS uniform. The guy was going no, crazy. Not an, not an official SS uniform. Well, but was, it was like very was, it was like it was like close looking to an SS uniform and even that is illegal. That's all. But it's like the letter of the law rather than the, than the spirit yeah, of the that's law. All, that's all yeah. that's all for the that's all for the for the for the for the viewer viewing audience. If you knew yeah, what they were the money, you're not allowed. the money yes. that they're sending to anti-Israel organizations, the jihadism that they sponsor, the land takeover that they sponsor, the anti-Israel narrative and blood libel that they sponsor, okay, and and the pro-Iran, pro-nuclear bomb stuff that they sponsor, they could forget it. Okay, we are not that dumb. Okay, fool me once, you know. Right. And like, really, do me a favor, Taseli Tovai, as we say here in Israel. Okay, do me a favor. We know who you are. We know what you're in favor of. I'm always saying, whenever I meet Germans, I go, Ishai's idea for Germany is very simple, which is neutrality. We should be neutral on Israel issues. I tell you what, don't be neutral. Be neutral for just six million hours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> After six million hours. <clears throat> Yeah. Then you can say whatever you want. Oh my gosh. That's the deal. Sound good? You know what? You know what? They could have had my respect, but they don't. They don't. Do not. Okay, next. Don't forgive. Don't forget. Yeah. I mean, I would forgive. What? I would. No, I would not. Okay, I let's would... go on record saying that I will not forgive and I will For... never forgive. First thing, I never understand that. It should be don't forget, don't forgive, because first, obviously, is to forget. Like, you should no, we'll never forget. No, it doesn't forget. matter. Okay. Second thing is. I would forgive if I thought. Not forgive. Not forgive because you can't forgive. But I think what you mean is put the past behind us right. and move forward. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. I, if I sense that these put people the were like, us, we're forward, like we no. repudiate that past and now we are strongly either pro-Israel or neutral on Israel. Right. Make but the if break. That was then. This is now. Right. But if we you're... can't go into this is now because this is then. Right. They're still doing the same stuff. Just, just as somebody said to me years ago, and I don't remember who, and I still use this term, and every time I say it, people are like, whoa. They're outsourcing the Holocaust. Yeah, our hands are clean. But okay, but we but we we pay money for other people to do it. So Loto da, no thanks. Bye bye. Anyway, but there are, by the way, many, 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 many beautiful Germans who love Israel, who are part of the story. I meet yes, them all and the time. If they're making an eyeliner, then I will be happy to buy that eyeliner. Very for good, very good, Malka. Thank you for saying that. Uh, we spoke to the protesters outside, and uh, it was clear yet again that uh, the issue is not about judicial reform per se. It's really about religion and about and about the sense that they think that they're going to be limited, their freedom is going to be limited, and that basically, as as I caught a few people, what I kept doing during the protest is I kept on just listening, talking to people until they would say something crazy, and then I would just say it out loud. This is what this guy just said. So one guy says to me, my father built a state. I'm like, so that's what this is about. Your father built a state. The state so is yours, yours, right? And he's like, uh, uh, like I'm like, I'm like, your father built it and therefore we our kind shouldn't take right. over is that what you're saying you you right so that that was one so that that was one and and that was obvious that that's what actually he meant he meant your kind the religious kind should not take over the countries that was one another lady says to me i said to them at the end i'm like anybody want to you guys want to go out and and eat something we've got great kosher restaurants downstairs so this one lady says i don't eat anything that's marked kosher 
wow how that's does what she, she said and, and i said or like establishment that's like kosher that you know that pays the rabbinate i said to her i said look everybody she's against kosher this is exactly what we're saying to you guys you guys are detached from judaism look your person she said i'm against eating kosher other people were like uh no kosher is okay right because, because there were a lot of so yeah wait let me finish right, I'll, I'll give one more yeah, example yeah. I, I, I was just, I don't know, somebody called me. I said, Achi, my brother. So some guy yelled at me, he goes, Atalo Achshali, you're not my brother. So I was, now I was acting extremely nicely at the protest. Just very, you know, I had my posters, but I was just talking to people. People were shaking my hands. We were just talking. And I go, hey, this guy just called me not his brother. Why is that? Why do you come to my town and you make such a balagan, you make such a mess, and now you're calling me not my brother? Why? What's the point? What, what are we, like, why would you say that? We are brothers. Why can't we have a conversation? What, you're protesting? We're not, this is not democracy? So, so another, so people are like, no, 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 you, you, you are a brother. People are like, yeah, uh, sorry, like, and then. Right, there's actually a lot of division inside. One, one last story. You one tell last, a story, then I'll tell a story. I'm, this is my last story. Okay. Some guy towards the end was arguing with me. I said to him, listen, you guys in Tel Aviv, because he was a Tel Avivi, I said, you guys, we think that you guys have lost touch to Judaism. He goes, no, we haven't. So one lady says, she goes, you don't have to know Jewish text to, to be connected to Judaism. And the other guy next to her was like, uh, no, it, it's kind of important to know Jewish texts. <laughs> and then this other guy says, to, I, go to, I go, you guys are disconnected from Judaism. So, so I said to this guy, I go, look, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I really don't. I'm just asking you honestly. Please answer me honestly. What is the Jewish month? What is the Jewish month? I asked him. So he goes, uh, uh, and then he was like, uh, and he tried to make a calculation with Shavuos and stuff, and I was happy he knew that, and he goes, ER. I'm like, no, it's it's the month of Sivan. He goes to me, which date? I go, Yudalev. And, 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 and I said to him, look, you know, you're even in good, you're even in good stead that you know the months, but most uh, Tel Aviv Jews don't even know what month Jewish month we're in and I'm saying well, there's a detachment and that really uh, did impact him anyway at the end of the protest I want to hear your stories at the end of my side of where I was at the protest yep. they shook my hands and they left and I kept saying to them may, may we see a strong state of Israel a strong Jewish state may we you know may we see it together and and what can I tell you a little bit kill him with kindness kill him with kindness because partially some of them just want to be heard. Some of them are actually scared that like the religious turn of the country will leave them uh, aside. And some of them are progressive sickos who like want to like completely take away the Jewishness of the Jewish state. And, 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 but that's not, but a lot of them are not that. They're just old school Zionists who feel dis, uh, what's the word, disenfranchised. Malka, what's your story? So I also was out there. I came a little bit after you. And when I got out there, it was after like the, the heated beginning of the protest in which uh, some of the people in the neighborhood where the protest was happening got like a little bit uh, ruffled, the feathers. Uh, but I came after the feathers already got smoothed down a little bit. Um, and I came out with a sign that said, we support the judicial reform because I thought that the protest was about the judicial reform. But nobody that i spoke to no one person sorry that's not correct one person spoke to me about the judicial reform all the other people that i spoke to did not speak to me about that at all what they talked to me was about judaism how jews are identified how the nation of israel is identified um uh, what they perceive as as um horrible discrimination against um you know secular people and how right-wing religious people are violent so i'm standing out there and the first person who comes up to me uh as i recall was a woman who was very upset and she said that i'm i'm violent and i'm like what i'm just standing here like what and i I don't even know what we're talking like I haven't even talked to you let alone yelled at you let alone touched you like I'm not violent and she and she was she's like oh well uh, you know I applied for a teaching position in religious schools but they didn't accept me because I'm secular or maybe because I'm a woman and I was like in my head I was like maybe it's because you're not very nice and you're super judgmental maybe that's why you didn't get the job at the religious schools um but she was very upset and then another person um came up to me and said he was nice he wasn't angry he was not angry but but what he wanted to talk to me about was who's a jew 
his thing is who's a Jew. He doesn't like the idea that that a person who says they're a Jew isn't necessarily considered a Jew by everyone else. He, in his mind, if you say I'm a Jew, that's good. You're a Jew. Um, and of course, the Jewish law and Jewish tradition over the course of thousands of years does not accept that uh, interpretation of um, who's a Jew. A Jew, according to Jewish law, is a person who uh, is either born as a Jew through a Jewish mother or a person who makes like a real conversion. And the conversion uh, is dependent on a lot of Torah study and the acceptance of the core uh, values and practices of the Jews. He was upset. Now, then another person came up to me. And this one was was a surprise. He goes, have you ever met a Christian who's not a Jew? And I kind of paused for a second because I thought maybe I didn't, you know, Hebrew's my second language. I thought maybe I didn't understand exactly what was going on. And that was the weirdest question I've ever been asked. So, uh, so I'm like, what? He's like, have you ever met a Christian who's not a Jew? And I'm like, uh, yes, I definitely have. I grew up in the United States with oodles of Christians who are definitely not Jews. And he's like, all Christians are Jews. And I I basically didn't continue, like I literally kind of pivoted on my foot and walked away because like I don't even know what to say to a person like that. Like that is A, a big non sequitur at a judicial reform protest, but B is like, how do I even talk to you about the fact that that is so utterly not true um, in so many ways? Then another person was upset about Arabs not being called Am Israel, the nation of Israel. <laughs> okay. He says that Arabs in Israel are part of Am Israel. Uh, there is a truth to that. In I a sense. said, so right. I, I went with my belief, right? Because yeah, yeah. we're all just people with our with our thoughts and, and our feelings. Especially you. Okay, yeah. So I'm like, actually, you know, I don't think Arabs are part of Am Israel. I think they're part of Medina Israel. They're, they're part of the state of Israel, and right. they are part of the state. Right. But I wouldn't call them part of the nation of Israel. Right. Just like my very, <laughs> even my very, very best friend, I would not call part of the Fleischer family. Right. Like I might love them, and they might be incredible and I might want to have them over every day for the rest of their life. You would life. say she's like family. Yeah, or like, but they are not. They are right. not, you're not in the Fleischer family, even though you're just the best. Yeah. That was another one. And then, you know, the last conversation I had with somebody was was about religious coercion. Oh, they, they told both of us yeah. that had this been a right-wing rally right. and they were a few left-leaning folks inside, we would have murdered them. And we're just like, what? No. Like, don't, like, I said it's that, just like, what? I, I, said, I said to like, them, I'm where like, where do you get your ideas from? I also said from? to them, I'm like, you do know that you're a tiny little left-wing rally within a right-wing town. Yeah, you've like, not been murdered is yet. Is anybody murdering you? Like, In what are you fact, talking about? In fact, I invited about? you inside to go to the bathroom. Right. I don't know if that is, that constitutes murder. Another person was like, we will stop you. We are the majority. I'm like... I said to them again, I'm like, you're a tiny little bunch of folks inside of our big right wing town here. What what do you what do you think you're stopping? Like you don't want to listen to the results of the elections. You don't you're anti democratic. Right, you're literally not the majority. Right. So then this one person who was very nice, his name was Ami, he was an older gentleman, and he was very concerned that his he was he was the only person I spoke to who actually talked to me about the judicial reform. We right. didn't talk about it in depth at all. Right. But his whole idea is that he doesn't want there to be a dictator. He wants the balance of powers, um, and he's concerned about that. Right. Even though you could sit and explain to him why that's not a, really an issue with the judicial reform, even still, that's his thing. Fine. Okay? He's worried about that. But then he goes on to tell me that he's also very worried about religious coercion. Mm-hmm. That he's very worried that his kids will be forced to, his grandchildren will be forced to live a kind of lifestyle that they don't necessarily believe in, but that they are mandated to, to follow. I told him that he doesn't need to worry about that so much. Mm-hmm. Because, so here's something that I found interesting and, and might be like the conclusion of the whole idea, which is that these people who come from way outside the religious world they really don't understand us. And when I mean that they don't understand us, I don't mean that they're stupid. I mean that they like are so not l- like from this kind of life 
and they don't have any way to connect into it. They don't experience it. They don't have the conversations at the Shabbat table. They don't understand the like the really like huge diversity that's within the the Torah observant world. Yeah, another guy told me he's like, "Well, you guys don't go to the army." I'm like, "We all go You're to like, the army." You're like, "I'm Wait, a paratrooper." Right. So so then he goes, "No, no, you guys will go for one year." And it happens to be one of my neighbors walked by, a young guy. I'm like, uh, "Bro, where were you in the army?" He's like, "Sayer de goes." I I said to this guy, "I'm like, what are you yeah, talking about?" Yeah, what are you about? saying? Like, what are, what are you? you but but it really comes from like true ignorance, which is like isolation away from us and from our lives. I also explained to Ami that, um, so I, so, you know, they're, they're really like, they have like totally weird ideas about religious people and they like circulated amongst themselves and it's like a broken telephone and they pass it around and yeah. they pass it around, but they don't have experience with religious people. That's right. So that is like, that's important to know. And then on top of it, on top of it, I told him that within the religious world, they have to know that, like, we also don't want religious coercion. Right. There is a wide array. And we're all, you know, we all understand that you don't light fires on Shabbat and we have other certain things going in the mikvah and lighting Shabbat candles and, you know, uh, keeping kosher, eating kosher food. But even all the interpretations of how you do all those things are very, are very, are pretty broad. Not very broad, right. but pretty broad. But there are some things and that, that they have so to know yeah. that even within the religious world, Right. There are big discussions about what the future of a religious Jewish country, of a Jewish identified country right. would look like. And we're not one giant monolith that's coming at the secular world and looking to like to like enslave them and, and chain them up to, you know, and come into Tel Aviv and measure the length of people's skirts and, you know, go into their houses and check the heksher of their food. That, that is not what we're about. By the way, today, coincidentally is the gay pride parade, the pride parade in right. Jerusalem, which is clearly... Speaking of religious coercion. It's clearly not in the interest of the vast majority, overwhelming majority of Jerusalemites, Arabs, Jews, ultra-Orthodox, Sephardim, right. whatever. They're not in favor. People don't want it, but they're forcing it down our throats through secular coercion. And and it's, you, you know what I mean? And it's uh, and the truth is, the truth is, is while there is no consensus in one of his halachic state, it's pretty clear to most faithful people Bible-oriented, Torah-oriented, God-oriented people, Orthodox-oriented people, that the gay challenge is a very hard challenge. Get the gay challenge? It's not even that anymore. Gay is like the easier one. Yeah, it's the one. easy one, right. It's, it's yeah, the at least they know. I, I I was laughing with some friends recently. I'm like, gay is like the Republicans of the LGBTQ. <laughs> They're like, they're like, wait a second. I like, I'm a girl who likes girls, but I know I'm a girl. I'm like practically a Trump voter. <laughs> That must be a weird place to be for them. <laughs> anyway, I, go ahead. I just, <coughs> I just wanted to say that uh, I was uh, giving a class. I get some really. I gave a lot of classes recently. I gave a class, and uh, the kids asked me, "They're like, well, what about progressive values?" And I said to them, "Listen, the truth is, it's a challenge to us, and that's what Hanukkah is all about. It's all about like pushing back against progressive values, uh, especially uh, you know in uh, lifestyle values." These things are uh, a challenge to Torah. They're anti-Torah, and so therefore they really are a challenge. Okay, we could talk about how to treat people with with uh, you know those tendencies, et cetera, that kind of thing. We could talk about you know having a heart for that, but like as a as a as a as a equal, normal, normalized value in Jewish society, yeah, it's not going to fly. It is in the end a contra, as opposed to Sabbath non-observance or observance. It's not the same thing. It's like. It's it's th th this thing is a challenge to what the Jewish perspective is, and it's and I think that Ben Shapiro wrote about it very very uh, powerfully that the Orthodox world has got to stand up to this thing because at the end it's anti our Torah and 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 it and it's a it's a how should I say it's a, it's a direct alternative. It's not just one. It's not just about you know the you know the preference lifestyle. It's really the whole package of values that comes with it. In any case, okay, I I uh, we I don't want to get too deeply into that story right now today. Point is, these guys came out. Oh, and another guy says to me, he goes, "Yeah, but you're occupying somebody else's land." I'm like, "So this isn't about uh, judicial reform at all?" He's like, "No." 
And another guy's like, no, no, it is about judicial reform. I'm like, but this guy's anti-occupation. Yeah, That's it why wasn't. It wasn't really. Look, and then this guy some says of it's to me, about judicial reform, reform, but it's like less than half the people. Then this guy says to me, he goes, yeah, we have a lot. I said to them, look, look at all these different opinions that you have here. You guys like have a whole hodgepodge. And mm-hmm. he goes, yeah, we're an era of rav of opinions. Now, I think what he meant to say in Hebrew was we're an erbuvia, which is a way of saying a, a, a like mix. Like a whole group, a mixed multitude. No. Erevrav oh. is a mixed multitude. Right. Irbuvia means like a like a right. like a hodgepodge, but he said Erevrav, which means mixed multitude. And when he said that, I'm telling you, it was a slip of the Explain tongue. Explain to the people what that means. So the the Torah tells us that all this mixed multitude came up with the Jews leaving. When the, land the Jews of Israel, left the l- land left of Egypt, Egypt right. a bunch of other people came with them. Right, and and they basically like be- joined the nation. But they were really others, and they had a lot. And it's in this week's Torah portion. We already see that there's a lot of complaining. About they were a source of a lot of bad behavior and right. bad ideology, and they brought it with them into the Jewish people, and that trickled down all the way until today. And their rabbis, if you'll listen to Torah lectures, will per- will will periodically talk about the Erev Rav, which right. is a like a different energy and even a different people that entered the Jewish people that is foreign and that is that is as we call it klipa, like is it's, it's a husk. It's like a hu- it's like it's like the the bad garbage part right. of the nation and so these people came in and they literally called themselves the heir of rav he said we're the heir of rav so i want to say just something for everybody uh, a paradigm for everybody to get this is the gaon mevilna the gra the great sage of vilna he has a simple paradigm for the three husks that we're fighting with the jews it's like once you get this right, you'll be bad like energies, the bad energies the bad energies there's the three enemies. of them one is the husk of esav esav esau and that's the husk of the bad side of America, certainly the Western, the Western Europe. World. Well, let's not overbroaden it, right? Be careful. It's it's the husk of the haters of Israel that come through the I'm Caucasian, the yes. you know, you know, right? The Western right part of that. That's right. So that's Asaph. That's Western Europe. That's the bad part of America. They're like that's the husk of of Asaph. Then there's the husk of Ishmael. That's the Palestinians. That's the land takeover. That's the wars. That's Arab the Arab-Israeli conflict. That's the Arab-Israeli conflict. Very good. And then there's the husk of the Arab Rav, which is the let's, let's call it the left from within. You know what I mean? The 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 anti-Israel forces from within Israel. Then these are the three husks, and we have to do a birul, which is means a sifting of and puts these husks out. By the way, and all of them have a birur because there's a good side of Asa. There's a good side of Ishmael, and there's of course a good side of Israel. But you gotta you gotta take out divide the husk. away, right? Malka, let's take a little bit of a break. We got a lot of people that help make this show happen. One of the ways to uh, do your own sifting of the husks is getting good information. The way to do that is to go to good information sources, good watering holes for the mind. JNS dot org and jewishpress.com. What you stick in your ears and your eyeballs today? Yes, ma'am. That's right. Is amongst the most important choices you make. So important to be so careful. I certainly, folks, I don't have to tell you. You all know. So careful what we see on the internet. So careful what we see on TV. And, and they stick in all kinds of evil stuff into our eyes. Get away from that. But certainly for news consumption. And folks... Don't keep your kids away from news consumption. Give them good news to read. It depends. It depends. This is a machloket in our house. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Yes. Listen, 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 listen this to This is up for debate. Now, and, and now enjoy the wisdom of Yishai. That's yes, why you're listening I to this podcast. Yes, I will And then you listen to the wisdom of Malka. Yes, you will. If your kid wants to consume news, don't say no. Give them the good news because they need to read the stuff. They're going to read it anyway. So JNS.org or JewishPress.com. In my um, opinion, this is age-related. Keep going. Okay. Uh, I also want to talk about uh, the stuff that we, you said, the stuff that we let enter our eyes. Let's talk about the stuff that we let enter our mouth. Prohibition Pickle, okay? <laughs> Prohibitionpickle.co.il uh, will allow you to eat holy and delicious food made with love and with excellent caloric value and with spiciness tastiness. and tastiness and holiness of the Sabbath. At prohibitionpickle.co.il, they are proud sponsors of a show. Chaim is the man, makes deliciousness. And... Uh, if you're going to be reading good news and eating good food, you should probably have a good Bible next to you. And so the Israel Bible, uh, theisraelbible.com, and put on coupon, coupon code Yishai, and boom, you will have a fantastic Bible in your house uh, to read, learn, and follow about the land of Israel. Specifically, that's theisraelbible.com. And maybe very finally, 
if you uh, are reading the Bible, eating some prohibition pickle, after you've read the news or before you've read the news, you probably look down at your watch, you're like, it's time to, I don't know, uh, put the kids to sleep. Uh, then you will look at your beautiful watch from RetroWatchGuy.com. RetroWatchGuy.com, those folks are making Aliyah to the land of Israel, and they make they, they provide for you great quality, refurbished, fixed-up watches, beautiful originals uh, from the 60s and 70s. They're awesome. So RetroWatchGuy.com. Malka, um, part of the folks that make this show happen is our partners, uh, including Rabbi Shimshon Nadel. Rabbi Shimshon Nadel. Uh, is uh, a Kohen himself. He's a priest. Uh, and he's also the rabbi of Jerusalem's Kihilad Zichron Yosef. He has, for us today, a segment on the priestly blessing. And when do we say it in Israel and in the diaspora, the, the difference between getting the priestly blessing? One of my favorite things to do in the mornings is to be in prayers and receive the priestly uh, blessing. Rabbi Shimshon Nadel uh, is going to give us the learning of the Torah, and he himself is a, is a priest to give us the priestly blessing. Rabbi Shimshon Nadel, take it away. Shalom Yishai. While here in Israel, we will already be reading Parashat Baha'alotcha this Shabbat. The rest of the world will be reading Parashat Naso, which contains the mitzvah for the children of Aharon, the Kohanim, to bless the Jewish people. Here in the land of Israel, we Kohanim are privileged to bless the Jewish people every single day and on some days even more than once. But outside of the land of Israel, aside from some Sephardic communities, Birkat Kohanim is performed only during the Yamim Tovim at Musaf. A centerpiece of the Avodah in the Holy Temple, the mitzvah of Birkat Kohanim applies at all times, in the land and outside of the land, as the Sifrei records. In fact, Birkat Kohanim should be performed every single day at Shacharit, on Shabbat and Yom Tov, at Musaf, on fast days at Mincha, and at Ni'ilah on Yom Kippur. According to the Talmud, a Kohen who does not bless the people is in violation of three positive commands. So shall you bless, say to them, and place my name upon them. But based on a passage in the Talmud Yerushalmi, many explain that this transgression is limited only to where a Kohen is called up to ascend, but does not do so. Nevertheless, it expresses the importance and centrality of this mitzvah. If Birkat Kohenim is so important, and so central, why isn't it performed daily in the diaspora? And why is there a difference between the custom here in Eretz Yisrael and in the diaspora? While not formally required by Jewish law, a custom developed in medieval Ashkenaz for the Kohen to immerse in a mikveh before Birkat Kohanim so that he may recite the blessing in a state of purity. Over time, it became difficult for Kohanim to immerse daily. Some explain that the custom developed to perform Birkat Kohanim only during the Yamim Tovim before which people were accustomed to immerse. Rabbi Ephraim Zalman Margoliot gave a different reason. He explained that the issue is the status of Kohanim today. Since today, Kohanim are not miyuchasin. They cannot trace their lineage directly to a Kohen who served in the Holy Temple, but instead Kohanim chazakah. They are Kohanim because their father was and his father was, etc. So therefore, he explains that the daily practice was stopped over a concern for a bracha levatala, making a blessing in vain, and the prohibition of having a non-Kohen possibly perform the Birkat Kohanim. Nevertheless, he writes, we allow Kohanim to perform this mitzvah on Yom Tov so that the Torah of the Kohanim not be forgotten and they not violate any of the mitzvot related to the Kuna. He adds that the current custom is ancient in origin and should therefore be respected. But according to the Khatam Sofer, the reason why Birkat Kohanim is not performed daily in the diaspora is the quality of our prayer. He writes, quote, the whole week we are occupied with thoughts of livelihood and sustenance, and most of our prayers are without kavanah, proper intent, and full of distraction. Tfilah, prayer without kavanah, is like an unwanted korban, an unwanted offering, unquote. Tfilah today is in place of the Avodah, the service in the Holy Temple, just as Birkat Kohanim, the priestly blessing, required a proper Avodah in the Beit HaMikdash, so to today it must be accompanied by a proper Tfilah. The Chatam Sofer therefore continues and writes that we bless on Yom Tov when all are free to concentrate on their 
tefillah. Similarly, Rabbi Moshe Sternbuch explains that as part of the tefillah b'tzibur, the communal prayer service, Birkat Konim requires a minyan to, to pay close attention and answer amen. Today, many are so distracted and don't pay close attention during the repetition of the Amidah. Therefore, he explains Birkat Konim is performed only during the Amim Tovim when, again, people are not distracted and are able to pay attention and listen and answer amen properly. The most famous justification for the current practice is found in the glosses of the Ramah. Rabbi Moshe Isserlis lived in Krakow in the 16th century. He writes, quote, The custom in all of our lands is not to lift the hands, not to observe this mitzvah of Birkat Kohanim, except on Yom Tov, since we are immersed in the simcha of Yom Tov, and one of glad heart should bless. As opposed to most days, even Shabbat during the year when we are occupied with thoughts of livelihood. Now, while many have accepted the Ramah's explanation, one can ask the following question. Since when do we push off an important mitzvah because of a preoccupation with livelihood? Were the previous generations less preoccupied with their livelihood? Are the Sfardim, or the B'nai Eretz Yisrael, those of us living here in Israel, who maintain the daily practice of Birkat Kohanim, any less burdened by material concerns? The Ramah Mifano, a very important Kabbalist, strongly criticizes those communities who did not perform Birkat Konim daily, calling it a minhag garua, a bad custom. He writes that those who justify the custom do so with a weak argument which has the strength of straw. Rav Yosef Karo, the Beit Yosef, also criticizes this practice, calling the stringency of immersion before Birkat Konim a practice not mentioned in the Talmud and a stringency which leads to a leniency. The Beit Yosef also offers a real yashakoach uh, to those communities in Eretz Yisrael and in Egypt who continued to practice Birkat Kohanim daily. The students of the great Elijah of Vilna, the Vilna Gon, record how their master was intent on restoring the daily practice of Birkat Kohanim in Vilna. They maintain a tradition that the Gon would say he would travel from one city to another being Mevatel, his own Torah study, foregoing his own Torah study, if he could only restore this mitzvah daily, blessing the people. Rav Chaim of Elazhin testified about his teacher, the Gona Vilna, that, quote, a number of times our teacher wanted to institute Nisiet Kapayim, the priestly blessing, daily in his Beit Midrash, in his academy, but could not do so. One time in the middle of the day, he decided that tomorrow the Kohanim will lift their hands and bless the people. On that very day, he was imprisoned and charged with a false accusation. It appeared as if this was a sign from heaven. David Luria adds that when the Vilna Gon was freed from prison, he didn't want to try and restore the custom again. He saw it as a sign from heaven. But Rav Chaim of Volozhin himself, the Vilna Gon's prime student, tried to restore the practice. But as the Nitziv relates in his Meshiv Davar, the night before they were about to begin, the synagogue, together with half of the city, was destroyed in a fire. This, too, was understood as a sign from heaven. Others attempted to restore the practice as well. The Chatam Sofer testified that his Rebbe, Rav Natan Adler, who himself was a Kohen, would perform Birkat Kohen in his Beit Midrash daily. And according to tradition, the Baal Hatanya, Rav Shnur Zalman of Liadi, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, also attempted to reintroduce Birkat Kohanim on a daily basis. The Orach HaShulchan, Rav Yechiel Michal Epstein, laments, quote, There is no correct justification for our custom to prevent the positive command of Birkat Kohanim. But what can we do? It's as if a batkol, a heavenly voice issued forth, not to allow us to raise our hands and bless the people the entire year. I have received a tradition that two of the giants of the previous generations, each in his place, desired to perform the siat kapayim each day. But when the set day arrived, the issue became confused and they were unable. They said, we see that so it was decreed from heaven. But when they settled in the land of Israel in the early 19th century, the students of the Vilna Gon were successful at reestablishing the daily practice of the priestly blessing here in the land of Israel. While this custom has proliferated through most of the land of Israel, some of the Ashkenazic communities up north in the Galil, places like Tzfat and Tiveria, only perform Birkat Kohanim on Shabbat and Yom Tov at Musaf. In his Ir HaKodesh V'Hamikdash, Rav Yechiel Michal Tukachinsky writes that it is unclear why the custom in the Galil should be any different. It would seem that while the students of the Vilna Gon held sway 
over Yerushalayim and its environs. The Hasidic community who settled, who settled in the Galil at that time chose to maintain the prevalent Minhag Ashkenaz there and not institute daily Birkat Kohanim. According to some authorities, even the communities outside of the land of Israel can benefit from the mitzvah of Birkat Kohanim performed here in the land of Israel. Rav Aryeh Tzvi Frumer explains that the Shaliach Tzibur, the one leading the prayers in out, or outside the land of Israel, in the diaspora, he serves as a Shaliach of sorts, a representative for the Kohanim when he recites the priestly blessing as part of the repetition of the Amidah, the central prayer. And since we have a, a principle in the Talmud, Shluchos Shal Adam Kmoto, one's representative or messengers like himself, it is as if the Tzibur, the community is receiving the blessing directly from the lips of the Kohanim themselves. In fact, some authorities even suggest appointing a Kohen to serve as the daily Shaliach Tzibur, the daily prayer leader in the diaspora, in order to have the blessings emanate from the mouth of a Kohen. According to the Talmud, the blessing emanates to all Jews out in the fields unable to be present during the priestly blessing. And some explain that perhaps those residing in the diaspora outside the land of Israel are like those Jews out in the fields and are therefore included in the blessing as well. Rav Moshe Sternbach even suggests that one residing in the diaspora should ask a Kohen living in the land of Israel to keep him in mind during the daily Birkat Kohanim. Wishing nothing but blessings to all of the listeners. Uh, that was fabulous. Rabbi Shimshon is the best. He's a Kohen par excellence, a great teacher. And thank you for sharing us the intricacies. And I'm so happy that our Jews and Gentile world, our, our international Torah congregation, the Abrahamic faith folks out there are also learning about the intricacies of halacha and the way the Jewish law right, works. What a deep uh, world it is. And how, and how we think about things, how we think uh, about things. Oh, speaking of how we think about things, Malka, you know what's very important in this world? Not so much how you and I think about things, but how AI thinks about things. Is that important? Because uh, the uh, that's right. Because it is a very important issue, which is artificial intelligence. AI, Mark. Everybody knows what AI is today. Um, you know, for the late adapters. So, um, uh, you know, I have an organization that I run called Kuma, and uh, my COO uh, and a longtime friend is Yocheved out in Chicago, and she has been playing around. She's a little bit nervous that AI is going to destroy the world. Yeah, she and everyone else. Right, and she uh, she chats with ChatGBT. She has chats with ChatGBT okay. just to see what the... Uh, what it'll say. What it'll say. And this is when, when she wrote a simple question. She wrote to ChatGBT, what is the length of the current Jewish galut, or gallus, she writes. Gallus, which is the exile. But she wrote gallus. She wrote gallus. And this is what ChatGPT writes back. The term gullus, uh, the term gullus refers to the Jewish concept of exile or diaspora. Throughout history, the Jewish people have experienced multiple periods of exile and dispersion, starting with the Babylonian exile in the 6th century BCE. The length of the current Jewish gullus, however, is subjective and depends on the perspective of the person answering the question. Some individuals may argue that the current Jewish gullus began with the destruction of the Second Temple in 70 CE and continues to this very day. This perspective cons considers the exile as an ongoing state, even though Jews have returned to their ancestral homeland with the establishment of the modern state of Israel in 1948. Wow. Others may view the establishment of Israel as a significant turning point that ended the gullus, as Jews have regained sovereignty and a homeland in their ancestral land. According to this viewpoint, the Gullus ended after, after approximately 1,878 years with the establishment of the State wow. of Israel. It's important to note that discussions around the length of the Gullus can vary based on religious, historical, and cultural perspectives within the Jewish community. Different interpretations exist, and individuals may have different viewpoints on the matter. So, Yocheved writes, I grew up in the United States in a Jewish family, and I hope to take my son, who went to Yeshiva in America, to live in Israel someday. She, she tells Chad GBT. ChatGPT answers. Now, what does it think? You know, I just want to say before you answer that I've had discussions with ChatGPT before. I think we've talked about some of them on the show. Yeah. And it, when I ask it about Israeli-Palestinian related things, it always sides 
uh, or or skews toward the side of the pro-Palestine movement. Um, So I'm very curious to see what ChatGPT will say. So ChatGPT says about uh, about Aliyah. Yeah. That sounds like an exciting plan. Wow. Moving to Israel can be a meaningful and transformative experience, particularly for those with the Jewish background. Israel holds great historical and cultural significance for the Jewish people, and many individuals choose to make it their home. Living in Israel, living in Israel provides an opportunity to immerse oneself in Jewish culture, heritage, and religious practices. It can be a chance to deepen your connection to Judaism, engage with Israeli society, and contribute to the development of the country. Israel offers a diverse range of experiences from exploring historical sites to participating in a vibrant community in, in vibrant community life and enjoying the country's natural beauty. Before making the move, it's important to consider various aspects such as employment prospects, educational opportunities for your son, and the practicalities of relocating to a new country. Familiarizing yourself with the immigration process and seeking guidance from professionals such as immigration attorneys or relocation experts can be beneficial. Wow, thank you. Additionally, it may be helpful to connect with individuals or organizations that support Jewish immigrants to Israel, such as Nefesh Benefesh, which provides resources and assistance for those wow. making Aliyah immigrating you to Israel. Listen to the Yishai Fleischer show. They can offer guidance and support throughout the process. Uh, overall, pursuing your desire to live in Israel with your son can be a meaningful journey uh, and allow you to connect with your heritage and create new experiences together. Yochavid writes, thanks for giving me some important things to think about. We will print out your thoughts and have a family discussion. ChatGBT, you're very welcome. <laughs> I'm glad I could provide you with some helpful considerations. Having a family discussion and exploring these ideas together is a great way to ensure that everyone's perspectives and concerns are taken into account. It can be an exciting opportunity for your family to embark on a new chapter together. I wish you all the best in your discussions and future plans. If you have any more questions, feel free uh, or, or need further assistance, feel free to ask. ChatGBT. Did it did it say like bracha vatzlacha, ChatGBT? N- no, it, no, but... Anyway, ChatGPT. Wowzers. That's very nice. Thank you, ChatGPT. <laughs> Speaking of ChatGPT, Maka. Yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty impressive, right? What 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 the, those answers? And I think we should all listen to ChatGPT on this one, okay? Uh, speaking to ChatGPT. Speaking of ChatGPT, I've got my own ChatGPT. Uh, his name is Ben Bresky. Okay, he is filled with knowledge. Uh, and random facts that he likes to discuss with me. And today uh, he has an interesting uh, uh, segment about um, classic theaters, old theaters in Jerusalem wow. and how they were founded. Okay, that's something interesting. That he's, yeah, something random and interesting uh, that he's bringing to the Shai Fleischer show. So here's Ben Bresky on Jerusalem's classic theaters. This is a moment in Jewish history. There are many historic and fascinating theaters in Jerusalem, and one of the oldest is the Khan Theater, located across from the first station, the old Turkish train station, and below Bible Hill. I had the privilege of visiting the Khan Theater this week when I provided sound and video for the production of The Great American Songbook. I wandered around the old stone archways as the sounds of Rodgers and Hammerstein, Stephen Sondheim, and more wafted through the air as the singers warmed up. The domed, cave-like ceilings now house a coffee shop, and the ancient stone columns grace the 250-seat main theater. A giant round stone used for pressing olives sits in the courtyard surrounded by greenery. I wondered about all the actors and musicians that had ascended the stage over the years, their melodies still reverberating in the old stone walls. I climbed to the roof and could see the first station complex, now featuring coffee shops and restaurants, and on the other side, a glimpse of the Mount of Olives. So what is the history of the Khan Theater? The Khan was built on the ruins of an ancient inn from the Crusader period, The existing building dates back to the 19th century during the Ottoman era and was a caravanserai, an old inn servicing caravan travelers, traders, and pilgrims. Another word for such a building is a khan, a Persian word that sometimes means urban caravanserai. Those who came to Jerusalem after nightfall would have found the gates to the walled city locked for the night and would have stayed at the Khan. 
Later, the Khan building housed a beer cellar used by the Templars, a Christian sect from Germany. Some say for a time it was a factory for the production of silk and the cultivation of mulberry trees. After the State of Israel became independent from the British in 1948, the building became a carpentry workshop. In 1965, Philip Diskin, the founder of the Khan and its first artistic director, purchased the carpentry, and two years later, in 1967, the theater was inaugurated, with the assistance of longtime Jerusalem mayor Teddy Kollek, the Jerusalem Foundation, and other benefactors. It was Teddy Kollek who saved the building from demolition by securing funding from the Gestetner Family Fund to restore the crumbling building. Over the decades, plays by Nobel Prize laureate S.Y. Agnon and other famous Israeli playwrights have been performed, as well as Shakespeare and English productions. There is a children's theater camp and other events. In 2017, the Khan celebrated its 50th anniversary. There are other theaters and historic buildings in Israel's capital city. Another interesting location is Beit Mazia, located in between downtown and the Nachlaot neighborhood. It was the home of Rabbi Dr. Aharon Mazia and his family. Born in 1856 in what was then the Russian Empire, Dr. Mazia was a linguist who helped pioneer modern Hebrew and an ordained rabbi. When he met the philanthropist Baron Edmund de Rothschild, he was offered the position of Doctor of the Colonies in Judea, which then consisted of Rishon Lezion, Petatikva, Ekron, and Gadara, one of the biggest problems being glaucoma. Dr. Mazia made Aliyah to the land of Israel in 1889 and settled in Rishon Lezion. There he met Eliezer ben Yehuda, father of modern Hebrew. Dr. Mazia developed Hebrew words for medical terminology, which are still being used today. In 1902, he moved to Jerusalem and began the project of writing the Hebrew Dictionary for Medicine and Natural Sciences, a large-scale research work that did not end in his lifetime and was completed by the poet Shaul Chernikovsky. Among the guests at his home were the poet Chaim Nachman Bialik, Chief Rabbi Avraham Yitzhak Cook and other famous figures. That home is now Beit Mazia, home to the Jerusalem Theater Group, the Incubator Theater, and the Pesach Theater. There are many other historic theaters in the city of Jerusalem, including movie theaters, which in the days before television played a bigger role in social life. But perhaps that's a podcast for another day. This has been Ben Bresky. For more information, you can email me at bbresky at gmail.com. Thank you for the participants of the Great American Songbook. Performers Eric Guth, Aviela Trapido, Hanan Lieberman, Alona Cole, and Guy Frati, and the staff at the Khan Theater. Thank you to Yishai Fleischer. Thank you for listening, and Shalom. All right, Ben, thank you very much for that very interesting and unusual segment. Much appreciated. Uh, Malka, this has been a really fun show. I want to dedicate the show. Uh, okay, who do you want to dedicate it to? Well, it's, uh, it's not a happy dedication. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want, to, uh, I want to bring us down here for a moment. Mm-hmm. Do it. And uh, do, I do want to dedicate the show to Mayor Tamari, who was just buried... On his 32nd birthday, he was murdered outside of his beautiful quaint town called Hermesh in Samaria, which is one of the most beautiful places in Israel. He was shot and he managed to drive himself. He wasn't exactly right outside of his town. He managed to drive himself to town and they gave him first aid there. But he passed away. Mm. He, he did not make it. My guess is that he bled, out. bled to death because yeah. it, you have to. Anyway, um, pictures came out of him and his young uh, daughter and even younger son, a, a three-year-old girl and a one-year-old boy and his wife. I saw the pictures. I finally was able to see the pictures at night around 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, the day that he was killed. 
and I just sat down on the couch and just bawled my eyes out. This family, no one, it, you know, beauty is not a decider of, of whether a person should uh, be alive or not. But to see this family, so sweet, so young, so full of life, so at the beginning of their awesome, adorable little journey together to build something beautiful, a, a, a sweet family in their land, normal people. And to just see this family cut down with the loss of their father and their pictures that came out of, um, of Tal Tamari, the, the wife of Mare, at the funeral, she's, she has her daughter on her hip and her son um, strapped to her back in one of these baby carriers. And this is like a young mom. Like they were supposed to be celebrating their, their Abba's birthday. They were happy. They were fine. They were working. They were taxpayers. They were, they were just regular salt-of-the-earth people. And their father was not, you know, doing incursions into a town. He was not busy, uh, you know, I don't know what that the, they accuse us of. And he was just driving down the road. And someone looked at him and shot him and took him away from his family. And I want to dedicate the show to him, to Mayor Tamari Ishai. Do you know how many people, how many Jews have been murdered this this uh, secular year, for 20, 2023? Go ahead. Do you have any idea? 30? 20. 20 Jews have been murdered. 20 Jews have been murdered this year. Um, murdered in our land by terrorists right. who live in our land, who call for our destruction. Living in our land in no-go zones in neo-Nazi ideology, and and that's what we're living with, right? And, and this is only—I don't even have complaints against the jihadist terrorists. I'm just like, state of Israel, what the heck? Yeah, what's wrong with us? Yeah, what is wrong? What, what with is us? the deal? I don't, I don't blame them for doing what they do. Oh, I blame man. us for not doing what we do. You know, I, there's so many things I'm upset about, but like that's one of them. Like there are murders. Tamari's murdered. <coughs> <coughs> The bank rates have hiked up, and they said that the banks are making their biggest, uh, their their biggest earnings in in years, and at the same time, people are like costs of food, costs of mortgage have gone up skyrocketing. Well, these are these are so not they, the same. No, no, no. But there's yes. no. It's not the same. But the state of Israel is supposed to. They're not the same. But the state of Israel is supposed to provide for our welfare. Here's what Tal Tamari said at the funeral. Okay, I'm just going to read a little bit. She writes, you are supposed to be 32 years old today. Instead of wishing you a happy birthday, I am now alone with the children. Mm, mm, mm. It doesn't make sense that our children won't be able to see your light. Oh, I, I hope I can make it through this. Experience you more, grow with you, and learn from you your goodness, your honesty, and your willingness to help others, she eulogized. This is an unfathomable reality. All that remains for me to do is to instill... <sighs> is to instill your values in our children. And I hope I will succeed. We are supposed to live in Israel safely and be able to return home to our families safely. That's right. Any other reality cannot be accepted. That's right. That's exactly right. Right. Malka, uh, that, that was, you brought us low and, and, uh, right, I mean, and, I mean, and rightfully I, so. You know, and I, rightfully we, we so. had a fun show and a happy show. And, and that is life in the land of Israel. The land of Israel is fun and happy. <gasps> Um, and and that stuff is not fake. No, no, but no. You're absolutely to, right. We have to. We have to come back down sometimes. And yeah, recognize and recognize that the struggle is real. And yeah, that our brothers and sisters are are being uh, treated in the most cruel way. And we can't just what do you mean uh, our stand and idly by. We are being treated in a cruel way. Right. We have and we have hateful jihadism in our land, which is killing our people. And we have European and other support of it. I mean, I'm I get I get I get I get I get mutilized on on Twitter. Just to see the hate and, and basically, basically over and over again, if you don't know this clearly, the murder of Tamari was, was stated very clearly by people on Twitter, but he was a settler. Right. Well, there's tons of that. Look at our Twitter accounts, Malka Fleischer, Yisha right. Fleischer. Go to our Twitter accounts. Right. You'll see how people will say it and they're not ashamed. No. They're They'll like, say he was a settler. Openly. Right. And, but what's the difference? But, 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 but here's what people don't know. If you ask... Those folks, the pro-Palestinian folks, when did the occupation begin? They always say 1948. 
So what they mean is no. What they mean is right. What they mean is they're telling you that this Jew was killed because he's a settler. Right. But in actuality, they mean they're all settlers, right? And it's all just it's just a game for them. Right. If it was someone in Tel Aviv, they wouldn't be putting his picture up on Facebook and talking about the injustice of it all. No, of course not. So and they'd be like, oh no, he's a soldier. Right. He's He's something. They'll they'll find a they'll find something to say. (laughs) And they're right. We are Jews in this land. We are all settlers. Right, and we're, we're all a threat to them. Right. The Torah portion Malka is Balotcha. Uh, actually, in America, outside of the land of Israel in general, it is, they're one behind. They're in Nassau because of Shavuot. So this lead for, for, for a few weeks will be, will be uh, out of sync. Different, yeah. Which annoys me. I, I don't like it that we're out of sync. I wish there was well, a way around Especially when you're that. going on a trip, right? Yeah. Yeah, for me it's bad. Uh, because then I get to, I end miss up missing one. a Torah portion. And you it double just, up on one. It just annoys me. Uh, but Balotcha is, uh, is a very tricky Torah portion because on the one hand, it has the light of the menorah at first and it has the word Kuma, Hashem will, will, will arise uh, and fight his enemies. And then suddenly there's a turn where for the first time we're really seeing God's anger at the Jewish people. The, God burns the Jewish people. They reject the mana. Maybe it was the heir of Rav. There's Moses. He himself is like, take me out of your, your rate, kill me. Right. He says, kill me in this, in this Torah portion. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> it's like, it's Everybody like, settle whoa. Down. Whoa. But, and that's the book of uh, Bamidbar uh, in the desert, the book of so-called numbers. I think that that's one of the worst incorrect namings of a book, uh, certainly in the Bible. Exodus is fine. Genesis is fine. Leviticus is okay. Deuteronomy is, is a good name, but it's just not clear for people in English. But, but numbers, that is, it should have been called, like the Jewish called it, in the desert, but in any case, uh, this is the Torah I think portion. Like one namers, you know, desert. But uh, the 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 problem is that uh, this is the Torah portion where some of the dark stuff begins, where 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 we see the cracks. That's why I call the the book of uh, the uh, Bamidbar. I call it the book of Jewish politics. And you're going to see a lot of challenges to Moshe Rabbeinu. You're going to see a lot of challenges uh, laid against him by complaining Jews who want to go back to Egypt and to eat the leeks. And the onions and the and the stuff that, that that was back there return us to slavery, plug us back into the matrix, uh, and don't bring us out of uh, out of exile and into redemption. Redemption is scary and with a lot of responsibility. We are not going to go that path. We are going to go the path of of going with redemption with this time that we're in. We're going to uh, uh, we're going to enjoy this light. We're going to be leaders in this light. We're going to refract and 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 rebroadcast and and reproject this light into the world. And we're gonna we're gonna lagbir. We're gonna we're gonna add to this light. We're gonna be part of this light. That's what I want to bless everybody. I want to bless everybody to be like, listen. There's a dark side, and there's a and there's a light side. I make a pledge and a commitment to be part of the light. I I make a pledge and commitment to not only enjoy the light and to know it but also to rebroadcast it, to, to refract it, to send it into the dark corners. I also want to thank Malka, the good folks at High on the Har, which help you get to the Temple Mount uh, with holiness and with properness and with fearlessness to know how to do it and to know how to, where to do it, how to do it, when to do it. And that's highonthehar.com. And they're doing a great job of bringing you a Temple Mount. If you're coming to the land of Israel, don't miss your chance to go to Temple Mount. It'll rock your face. It'll change your life. It'll leave you with a spiritual suntan forever. And, and that's going to be something that you're going to thank me for. So that's highintheheart.com. But if you're not ready for that, you can also just go to their website and learn about it more. That's right. Very good. Thank you, Malka. Very good. Uh, highintheheart.com. And of course, uh, no visit to Israel is complete. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Sorry. No visit to the land of Israel is complete without visiting the tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs in Hebron and the Jewish community of Hebron. And you could do that and support Hebron through our awesome organization, hebronfund.org, hebronfund.org. It's, it's really a uniquely powerful and special organization dedicated to keeping that heritage going and protecting. We are the knights of the Machpelah, the knights of the Tomb of the Patriarchs and Matriarchs. We are protecting it. Uh, finally, if you love the show, uh, then we love you right back. And you can uh, love us a little bit through buying us a cup of coffee, buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai, buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai. You could also find that link on YishaiFleischer.com, including our donate link as well for the bigger projects, including the Tomb of Root and Yishai and our Israel Biblical Highway project and all the stuff that we are doing. We want to thank uh, Ben Bresky, Yochevet Seidman, Moshe Herman, Tabitha, and Lou for making the show happen. And we want to thank God Almighty and Hashem, 
uh, not and because it's the same. I just I, there's no two gods. There's slash. one. That's right. Slash a God Almighty and Hashem uh, that is making uh, uh, us giving us the chance to be uh, that light. Uh, Malka, let's also uh, you dedicated the show. Let's do that dedication one more time for the Neshama. Go ahead. All right, Mayor Tamari. Mayor Tamari, may his neshama uh, continue to spread light in this world. May he find uh, peace in the next world. May his wife and, and child, children grow up in some kind of embrace. Um, we just bless them for good, and may we hear good news about that. And may our forces find and destroy his killers and also find and destroy those who would do things like that or even think things like that. And we should not allow this in the land for one second. That is the, the demand of God and the demand of plain human justice and of course godly justice hashem asking us he's asking us my children i've given you the strength now be stronger and clean this land of its haters and clean this land in order so that i may reign here and shine my light into the world all right folks you are listening to the ishai fleischer show maka fleischer thank you so much for being thank with you us so much rate us show so that we can keep getting out there getting that message out to the world God bless you, Maka. Thank you very much for uh, being with us yes. and giving Shabbat us lots of strength. Shabbat All shalom. All the best and blessings from the land of blessings and shalom.